Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And uh, today's guest has been a real pain to to organize. (laughs) She had to travel really far, and she's just been really difficult. And I don't know. She's really busy. She's so busy. It's me. It's Grace. I didn't travel anywhere. I'm in my I'm in my living room. I'm kidding. So we we're we're continuing our self interview series. I don't know. So two weeks ago, Grace interviewed me, and today I'm interviewing Grace with all of the questions that you submitted for her. So I'm excited to chat. I feel like these are so fun to get to know for our audience who's newer to get to know us. Or for people to ask their like weird burning questions. Yes, these are fun. I loved interviewing you two weeks ago. So now it's my turn. Your turn in the hot seat. Yeah. I was disappointed that nobody asked questions about what you like most about me. Oh, I can tell you. Yeah, I'll slip Should it in. Should we add it? Yeah, I'll okay. slip it in. Before we get into the interview, tell me your high. So my high is that I launched my second Amazon collection last week. I guess I'm it was last week. so excited to get my dress. Um, I'm so excited for you to get it. It's a good one. Um, I'm really happy with the results. Um, I just had a call with the team and they were really happy. And um, we're planning some spring staples dresses. Staples aren't a drop. I think they're on on sale for like a month or two um, that I'm working on. And then I think we're going to do another late summer, early fall drop next year. That's so, so exciting. Yeah, it was exciting. I will say it didn't sell out. And I was like really bummed about that. Like I felt like bad. But on the call today with the team, they were like, no, like you don't understand. Like it's really good that we didn't sell out because when we sold out last time, it meant A, poor planning and B, like tons of disappointed customers. So yeah, I mean, selling out in an hour, I mean, I guess it's good optically because it's like exciting and sexy, but it's bad business. Yeah. So everything, everyone was happy. I made more money this time. They made more money this time. We did a lot of volume. I don't know. Everyone got a piece that wanted a piece. Like I'm, there's That's no awesome. Like the day of the first collection, all I did for like six hours afterwards was just reply like with apologies to people because yeah. um, it had sold out so quickly. And that puts a damper on like you're like, oh, I, this really exciting thing happened, and then you're like, I need to now apologize to everyone. <laughs> yes, but then this time I felt bad because it was quiet like the team like afterwards like was like that was great good job and there was I was like are they saying good job like because they feel bad and they were like no like we need to do another one soon we're really happy it was great so I feel great now I'm so glad yeah how about you um my high is I have two highs so my high is that rom-com pods launched well in real time this past Monday but I guess when the podcast comes out a week and a half. So we dropped episode one and two this week. And I'm so excited. I just feel like I've been talking about it for so long that I'm I'm even like, oh, like, stop, get over yourself. So it's excited that it's out in the world and people can finally like hear what we've been working on instead of just like hear me talk vaguely about it. It's so good, Becca. Like I listened to that. She sent me a preview to the first episode, but then I listened to the second episode when everyone else did. And it's just like, It's so fun. It's so timely. It's so cute. It's like what we need right now. I'm so excited. And the feedback has all been so amazing from people who are saying how much they they enjoy it, which makes me happy. So yeah, I'm excited. We seven episodes this season. So an extra. We're floating everyone, you know, just buoying everyone through the election. Is season three going to be eight episodes? Maybe. I don't know. Is this a trend? Do you add one every every time? We haven't started it yet. Oh, so. It could be longer. It was it was fun to do more episodes this time because we 
you ha- we haven't gotten to it yet, but like we got to give some of the side characters their own like mini plots. Wait, tell the people because I feel like people, some people thought that it was going to be the same characters. Oh yeah, it's not the same characters. So season two is completely different. So it's a different story every single time. Different story every season. So this story is seven episodes and then we move on. Yeah, so, so there's no more of those old characters. No, so if you were like not intrigued by season one, but a political romance sounds fun to you, like you can just jump in. Yeah. On season two, you don't need to. You don't need to be up to speed on season one. Yeah, I I, I knew some people that were like, wait, so it's it's different characters. I'm confused. And I was yeah, like, yeah, it's a whole new story. Totally every season. different. Totally different. It's like its own book, you know. Yeah, or like a movie. Like you release like three or four of these every year, and they're yeah, all different. They're all different. Yeah. So that's exciting. And then on Tuesday, I went out to dinner with Rachel and our friend Lydia, who I'm very worried. I I'm like, wait, Lydia hurt. Yeah. You put those two together? I put those two together, and I'm like, just please still be friends with me after you two hit it off like a house on fire. They're going to be such good friends. They're going to – they're like the same. They're the same. So this is like when I introduced you and Kate, and I was like, hope you'll still be my friend. Yeah, so that's definitely how I feel. (laughs) But anyway, we went to dinner at this restaurant called Lola Taverna. Have you ever been there? No, I don't think so. It's this Greek restaurant in Soho. It's on like 6th Ave and like – I'm trying to remember. I went to a great – Greek restaurant with Katie and Alex once. It was so good. I think it's newer, so I don't maybe, I don't know. It was it was like Nope, I've never been. One of the best recent meals I've had. Ooh, I love Greek food. Also, we got a steak because we were craving steak and it was one of the best steaks I've ever eaten in my life. Oh yum. Steak sounds good right now. Oh, right? I had kind of a day and I think I'm gonna get like something really delicious for dinner. Do you wanna come upstairs Saturday night for dinner? I think I have plans with John. I think we're um, having a movie night with the two pets. Because I was going to say, Rachel's birthday dinner got rained out. Anyway, I'm making dinner on Saturday okay. night. If I'm if I'm around, I'm, I'm in. I'm making short ribs. So Oh, I love short ribs. Short ribs and gnocchi are my favorite combo. You should you should add gnocchi to that. No, I'm making these uh, gorgonzola mashed potatoes that are Rachel's favorite that are so good. Oh, yeah. So you have an open invite. Okay. So those are my two highs. What about low? Uh, my low is that it's getting dark earlier and it is not my favorite. Yeah, it is getting dark earlier. Last night, I so on Wednesday nights, I have my college Zoom and it's at eight o'clock and it's like our weekly catch up Zoom and it's like really fun. And it got dark at like 645. By the time eight o'clock rolled around, I was like, it's been night for hours now. Like I have to do something. Yeah. I know. I just feel so... It makes you more lethargic. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I'm like much more tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have a low? I do. My low is today. So I had um, some accounting stuff happen that ended up saving me money on taxes, but it required me to like... Like I had to set up a whole new IRA within 24 hours and it was just like a lot of work and a lot of confusion. I'm someone like when it comes to money, I like to like really weigh my options and like do things slowly and I couldn't do that. And I was on the, I had, <laughs> I've been on the phone all day today. So we're recording. It's four, we recorded it at four. It's Thursday. I haven't done any work and I had 12 different phone calls about this thing today. And it's all resolved. And I feel really good that I like hustled and made it happen, but it was really stressful at the time. I feel like accounting things are always like, nobody likes them. You're just like, this is the worst. It, yeah. And I just feel like it's not something I'm like good at or know a lot about. So I feel like a little bit lost and I don't like that feeling. Like I don't feel like in control. Like I like, yeah. know all the things and 
I just feel like it's good because, you know, I'm learning a lot, but it's also like overwhelming. This is also a good reminder. I have not gotten my refund yet from, and it's been like three months. Weird. Apparently, the IRS is very backed up, my accountant said. I checked at the end of September, but I forgot until right now that I haven't gotten it. Weird. Yeah, I overpaid and get a refund, but I did an extension because I paid everything back in, I think it was due in July, and then I overdid it. And so I don't know when I'll get that money. Not soon, if I'm any indication. (laughs) Great. That's fine. But yeah, today was a little rough. And now I haven't done, like, I literally haven't done a lick of work. And we're going to finish recording at six and I'm going to start working. (laughs) Well, so I'm going to probably have some wine when I do it. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Shall we get into this hard hitting interview? Let's do it. Okay. So the first bucket of questions are just life questions. And I'm going to start with the most popular question that probably got submitted like 10 times. Would you ever get a second cat? I love that people are so invested in this. Like, I don't understand why people care. Um, Because they want Tyrion (laughs) to have like a cute sibling. So like long term, like in the next two years, I would like to buy a house. um, And I would like to live in that house with Tyrion. Um, He's seven now, so he'll be like nine. And then he'll be a little bit older. And then I would probably like to get a cat. In an apartment, no. Like, I am not having two cats share that litter box. Like, how do your two, your sister's two cats get along? Do they, are they buds or they're they- best friends? Okay. So it's really cute seeing them together. Um, but they all, she got them at the same time. And yeah, also, litter like, mates, right. Yeah. And also just the litter. Like, it's so much. No, I meant like they're brothers. Oh, no, they're not brothers. Oh. They were, um, they were like cousins, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know how it worked, but they weren't from the same exact litter. Would you get another Persian cat? I would like to, but so I bought Tyrion from a breeder and he was a breakup cat. Like it was a whole thing. And I have friends, hi Jackie, if you're listening, that were so upset that I did that. And I, in hindsight, like feel bad. Like there's a whole story to Tyrion and he was like my consolation prize because my breeder cat died. And I was like, never getting a breeder cat again. But then- she got her act together and got like Tyrion came like with like a thousand tests and he's like perfectly healthy. But I would probably not get another breeder cat, but I would like another. I think that Persians are the best cats. Like a Beth Stern one. Yeah, like a Beth Stern Persian. Like that little cat. There was a little cat that looked just like Tyrion. It was a girl. Oh, I remember that. And every like I think that like literally at least 10 people would message me every day about that cat until she got its forever home. And I was like, I know, like, it's cute. That would be the cat that I would get. And it would take more time to find like a cute rescue Persian. But I don't I don't see this happening anytime soon, which is good because rescue Persians are pretty hard to find. Um, Alyssa Master Monaco is a good resource for that too. Yeah. But um, I, I'm not in a rush to get another cat. I think Tyrion's happy being an only child, but I think when he gets a little older and he's like less spry, it might be nice to have a kitten to like keep him young. I feel like he's going to be a very surly old man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just based on his face. Yeah. So I'm glad we got the most important question out of the way right up top. So important. Okay, so somebody else wanted to know, what's your favorite thing about being the oldest sibling? And do you think the birth order affected you? Okay. I love this question because I read like, I think it it was like probably 10 years ago. I read this whole book. I was, it was when I went to Greece. I brought this book with me. It was called the birth order book. And it was fascinating. I I need to like repurchase it and, and reread it because it's so interesting, but I'm such an oldest child. And something really interesting is that oldest and only's always get along. 
And I look at like who I'm friends with and almost all of my close friends, except for my friend Natalie, um, are oldest and onlys. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that birth order is a real thing. Like I look at my sisters and they're all mostly friends with people within their birth order. I'm trying to think about mine. So I have a few friends who are youngest. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Peter, Molly, and Elizabeth are all youngest. Yeah. You, Alex, Jackie are all onlys. Yep. Um, Natalie is a young youngest or middle. She has a lot of siblings. I can't keep track. Deirdre is an only. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it gets into like your dating life. Like I tend to date youngest, like guys that were youngest. Interesting. It's really interesting. I've never really like looked too much into this because I'm an only child. So I don't, I, I guess you, there are still traits that are associated with that. Yeah. But I've never like read up on this. Yeah. And I don't think I have a favorite thing in particular about being the oldest. I love having sisters. It's like having two built-in best friends. Um, but there's nothing like where I'm like, I'm so glad I'm the oldest. Because you were the one beating them up, not getting beat up. That, but as the oldest, like, I had to break my parents in. Like, they were such strict parents with me. Like, there was one time after a school dance, literally, my I was sleeping at a girlfriend's house, and we went to IHOP after the dance. We were juniors in high school. Like, we could have been out drinking or partying. We went to IHOP and got pancakes with these boys and then went back to her house. Did nothing wrong. But I think we got home at, like, 1130 or midnight to her house and my parents grounded me for breaking curfew at her house oh wow yeah like they were so strict and I guess I was grounded for a month I feel like I was always grounded in high school um yeah I was too but I like literally didn't do anything bad (laughs) like I didn't start drinking until senior year and when I did drink I had like maybe a couple beers a few times like I was never really drunk I never did anything bad and um I was always grounded Wow. Yeah. So we laugh. Like, my parents were like, we're sorry. We didn't know. And I'm like, <laughs> I get it. Like, like I think they Who were – Who's the most rebellious of your sisters? That's hard to say because, like, looking at them now, you would never guess this. But Becca was kind of rebellious in high school. Yeah, because I was wondering, like, you, you said you had to break them in. So it was like, who did you – when none of us did anything bad. We were all like such good goody two shoes. We were all like in the top ten of our graduating class, like really studious. Like I was really into sports. Becca was really into art and swimming. Meredith was really into sports um, and school. I think Meredith was like salutatory, and she was she is like brilliant. She has her PhD now. Becca, I remember like going to parties and also like she had a boyfriend and she like drove off Cape to see him and like got a speeding ticket and my parents were furious (laughs) but none of us did anything really terrible okay so the next life question we got for you was you mentioned being laid off at one point and how did you deal with it i'm glad we're answering this because we got so many questions in our career episodes about people who've been laid off during covid and we didn't address it then so yeah that we have a chance to talk about it well, so it was 12 years ago um, in 2008, like during the height of the recession, um, like right after Lehman Brothers like went under or and like all of that happened. And I was working for Procter & Gamble and they laid off 40% of our marketing team. And it was like so upsetting at the time because I like loved that job. I had so many good friends there. I got – I'm a – Enneagram three wing too. So like I really get a lot of like my personal self-worth out of work and like being good at my job and being a hard worker and an achiever and all of that. And 
I was devastated. I remember just feeling like so depressed and so despondent. So something I haven't talked about ever actually is I started a blog. It was called Laid Off is the New Black. I feel like you have talked about this on the podcast. Have I? I Maybe I have. We've had this for so long. So this was like my first foray into blogging. And I every day I blogged about like how I was feeling, but also like things to do if you're a laid off person. So I like found like bottomless brunches during the week and like sample sales and like free things to do in the city. And I had I had a lot of fun with it. And that kind of gave me like a creative outlet to cope while I job hunted. And was then, it anonymous? Yes. Okay. And then I I think it still exists. And then after that, I so I I networked my face off and I found that I had the most success with people that I already already were in my network. Like I was mailing resumes. This was two thousand and eight. I was mailing resumes like in the out, mail? Yeah. Left and right. Yeah. Not email? In the physical mail. In the mail. physical mail. Maybe that was the problem. Maybe. Because <laughs> I graduated in 2008, so I was also the job market, and I've never mailed a resume. Oh, weird. I remember printing out resumes and cover letters and sending them and on really beautiful paper and being told to. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. It feels really antiquated now, but it was like the advice I was given back yeah. then. So what ended up happening was there was a woman who was who had worked in HR at P&G and she had gone to Cody and she ended up finding a new role for me at Cody. And that's when I left and I ran marketing for Sally Hansen nail color for a while. And it was really hard, mostly because it impacted my self-worth so much. Like P&G was super generous with us. They gave me, I think, two months notice. And then they gave me, it was based on how long I'd been there, I think like three and a half months of severance. So I was okay financially, but I was just terrified and it just really impacted my self-esteem. So I think starting that little blog like really helped and worked on networking with other people who had been laid off because it was 2008 and it, there was everyone, this, was, everyone laid was laid off. So like there was like a real niche and actually just as I got that job, I had started meeting with um these girls and we were going to start this like organization for people who were laid off so we could like network and help each other and like vent and commiserate. But then I got a job, so I backed out. How long was it between when you were laid off and when you got your next job? It wasn't that long. Like I was only out of work for about a month. And, oh. And then – but I found – I think I got the job like two weeks after my last day of P&G. So I had been like – I think I had known for two months. So I knew for two months before my last day that I was being let go or what have you. And they were really good to us. They let us um, go on job interviews during the workday and like – they were really nice to us because they felt bad, obviously. And then um, I think it, it was about two weeks later I got the job offer. But then once I got the job offer, this is where it was great. I negotiated to not start for two weeks. And literally the day I signed the offer, I booked myself on a flight to Greece. I left the next day and I went to Greece for two weeks. That's amazing. And I used my severance money on that. That's amazing. So that was like a really happy thing. And I ended up the other thing was when I was at PNG, we've talked about this in our Ask for More Money episode, but I was like drastically underpaid and I like could not get caught up for, to save my life. And then when I went to Cody, I was finally paid like what I was worth. Yeah. So there was a silver lining, but I will say that the way my coping was really in that blog and that like networking group that I was going to start. So this is a pretty adjacent follow-up question. What advice would you give 30-year-old Grace? Because you were about... 30 when this happened no I was um because I was no I wasn't 30 
I was because I was 29 when I went to Bolivar. Oh, and I'd been at Cody. So I think I was like just about to turn 28. I was, or maybe I was, I think I was 27 or 28 when this happened. My advice is always just like work hard, put your head down, focus, and you will get where you want to be. Like, I think I always was just like, just really hungry and like, like wanting to like, like achieve and like do well. And I, I just, would tell that person to like work hard and you'll get there Um, because that's, you know, a lot of things just take time and experience. Like I would like see people who are older than me and be like, how do I get that? And like the answer is like time and experience. Yeah. I don't know if that's good advice, but. I think it is. Well, it's advice to you. So you're the person who can say whether it's good or not. Yeah. I was just always like really high strung when I was young and I, I still am a little bit high strung, but I I think I would just like be like work hard, calm the fuck down. You'll get there. (laughs) So on a totally different note, what is the first place you want to travel outside the U.S. when quarantine is over? I don't know. Like, I don't even want to travel. Like, (laughs) I want to go to Charleston and see my family, which I'm doing in November. You put this question in the outline. I did. (laughs) I went through the questions yesterday and, like, took out the ones I didn't want to answer and and kept the ones I wanted. What? Where would I go? I don't know. You tell me. I would really like to go just somewhere beautiful with a beach. Oh, same. Like, I went to the – this is so boring. It wasn't boring. It was amazing. I went to – Miami to shoot my drop collection back in March, like right before lockdown. And I just remember being so happy and at peace, like, like just sitting by the pool and having someone bring me like a very overpriced cocktail and like French fries and a grilled chicken sandwich and sitting in the sun, eating my sandwich, eating my fries, drink, drinking like a pina colada. Yeah. I just want that. So nice right now. Like, it doesn't need to be anywhere fancy. Like, just somewhere warm with a beach. We need to get off this topic before I get depressed. I know. I'd like to go back to Harbor Island and stay at the Dunmore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's take a quick break before we do more questions and talk about a sponsor. So today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers professional therapy online via chat, video, or phone, so you can talk to a licensed counselor from the comfort of your couch. I think we can all agree that 2020 has been a year. So we love that BetterHelp offers private, affordable online counseling when you need it without having to leave your house. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And they have professional counselors who are specialized in everything from depression, stress, and anxiety to relationships, trauma, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, even self-esteem issues. And you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. You can message them anytime and get timely, thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Best of all, it's more affordable than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available. Yes, and they're really committed to facilitating great matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. And if you're skeptical, you should check out their testimonials on their site. It's so clear that their patients are really happy with them and that they've helped so many people. It's really incredible. And anything you share is, of course, always confidential. We want you to start living a happier life today, so we have a discount for you. As a listener, you will get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash badonpaper. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash badonpaper. And now back to the episode. 
Let's talk about some Charleston things. So what are you most excited and most unsure about moving to Charleston? Okay. So to be clear, I'm not actually moving to Charleston. Like I've been getting DMs being like, I didn't know you were moving. You're leaving New York. I'm like, I'm leaving for six weeks. It's a trial run. Um, I would ideally really like to have like a small house in Charleston and a small apartment here. Like I am not, I've said this before, I'm not ready to buy something yet. Like I am saving for a down payment. Um, and if I, if, and when I do buy it, will be in Charleston unless something changes. I want to be close to my family. I like love the idea of being able to have like Sunday dinners with them and seeing my parents every week. I worry a lot about dating there. I think Oh yeah. Um it's mostly women and there are like I have dated two men who live there and one of them is a very dear friend of mine. I would never date him again. The other is a nightmare. <laughs> um so I'll just say it's it's rough and I well, mean, not even just like quality of people, the quantity of the, people. The quality and the quantity. And the quantity then impacts the quality because guys realize like how well they can do. And it just, it's, they are like the one single man swimming in like an army of beautiful, like put together, like gorgeous Southern women. The other thing I dread is how small it is. So like right now I can, like I live in a building with my two best friends. I also dread the idea of giving that up. But, um... I dread – so right now, like, in New York, like, you can be a total slob and no one will notice. Like, I will just, like, oh, I'm out of – like, I'm what am I out of? I'm out of paper towels. I'm going to run across the street to the bodega and, like, get some. In Charleston, there's not bodegas on every corner, which makes for a much cuter downtown. But also, like, I remember just going to, like, Black Tap to get coffee with a hangover and, like, looking kind of garbagey and looking around and everyone's perfectly put together, like, tan and glowing and, like, gorgeous. And I'm just, like – feeling like a sea urchin (laughs) so I'm I think the trial run will be really good for that because like um I was talking about this with my friend Nick the other day and he's like yeah he's like I can see you having an issue with that and I was (laughs) like yeah like I just like when I'm out and I am put together but when I'm just like bumming around like I don't want to put makeup on especially in the winter because like in the summer you can just throw in a sundress and sandals and you're like oh I'm decently dressed but in the winter you're like in your garbage sweats and you're like (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. So it's going to be interesting. Excited about, yeah, seeing my family. I want to have more space. I like that Charleston is so close to the beach. I like my friends who live there are all like at the beach on the weekends still. And that makes me really jealous. And also like dreading is like, like I live in a building with two of my best friends in the world. Like it is the best thing ever. And like, why do you want to give that up? Well, I want to give that up because I want more space and I don't want to buy. Like I can't, even if we could buy this apartment, I wouldn't want to because it's crawling with roaches and kind of a hot mess. I'm sure we could. I don't know. Maybe we could fix that. I don't know. Like, could we? It'd be so expensive. I don't know. We would need to install dishwashers. That yeah. would be my non-negotiable. And laundry. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I really don't know what the next few years are going to look like for me. I really would like to have both. I'd like to be like bounce back and forth between the two. Like I don't want kids. So that's a perfectly sustainable life for me. But it's also like figuring out financially if I can afford to do that and all of that. Yeah. Uh, And where does your Charleston obsession come from? So I went on a press trip. Um, My friend Chastity from Looking Girl Love, she was a guest at our Charleston show. Oh, God, it was probably seven years ago. I want to say seven years ago. And honestly, she invited me and I was like, whatever, I'll go. But I don't want to. um, 
I don't really want to go. Like, I was like, the South, ew. Like, I had never really spent any time in the South besides Florida, which, like, beach vacations to Florida don't count as the as the South, South. And I got there, and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, it's such a cute city. There's so much to do. The food scene is amazing. People are so nice. Um, the architecture is incredible. It, um, I thought it was going to be really conservative and just like backwards and it's not, it's like this incredible creative community. And I don't know. I just, I just fell in love with it. Like I get off a plane to and get to Charleston and I just feel like a different person. Like I just, it just makes me so happy. Let's talk some more about some of your other passions. Oh, <laughs> most, uh, mo- your biggest passion as we can all agree is Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> It's a passion. I got it today. What is your go-to Dunkin' order? So it's so boring. I get this. Anytime I do a Q&A on my Instagram, I get asked a million times. I think people think I have like this really special. Maybe like, they think Dunkin's bad and they think that you've cracked the code. No, I've literally, you guys, I just get iced coffee with like a splash of cream or black. And I I know this is controversial. I really like the blueberry flavor. That's, I, oh, but I can't talk about that. But I don't that. get sweet. Because they have these flavor shots that are just flavors and not sweet. Yeah, but blueberry iced coffee is disgusting. It's amazing. It's so good. I used to get it all the time when I lived in Boston. Tell them what you get for food. I don't get food a lot, but when I do, I like the wake-up wrap, but I won't get it with eggs. Like, I think Dunkin', Dunkin eggs are disgusting. Like, I so I get, like, ham and cheese and a little wrap. Or now they have the, st- the everything stuffed bagel balls. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, they're so good. It's more like a snack. Like I think it's like 150 calories for like two. So it's not like a full meal, but like you're having a bad day and you need a, you want a delicious snack. Bagel balls. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about a more serious passion of yours, art. So tell us who are your favorite artists and what is going to be your next art purchase? Do you have your eye on anything? I don't have my eye on anything. I just bought a piece by Katherine Howe, which is one of – she's one of my favorite artists. We talked about her last week. So that was a big investment. And I prior to that, like, I bought two paintings by Hunt Slonim. So I probably won't be buying anything anytime soon. Um, I would like to buy more Hunt Slonim paintings because when I do have a house, I want to do a full wall of his rabbit bunny paint, – his little bunny paintings. So I, like, buy – like I'd say I buy, like, one – like one or two a year. Like I bought two this time because he was very generous and gave me a really nice discount. But you, like I'd say I like one one a year until I have the quantity that I want. So that's definitely on the list, but there's not really anything like brewing there. I would say Hunt Hunt Slonim and Catherine Howard are like the two artists that I really want to collect. There's an artist called Kathleen Bradford that I love and I'd love to buy something of hers someday. Um, those are like my ones that I like really, really like they're like more investment level. I also love Gina Julian. She did my um rainbow Your rainbow. Mm-hmm, my rainbow opt I think she calls them her opt art paintings. There's an artist called her real name is Morgan, but her Instagram is by Melvin G and she does these really cool face collages. That's the one that I just got framed in the bamboo and the green mat. Oh yeah, yeah. I need to do like a full like roundup of favorite artists. I also love photography. Like I ha- I have a Slim Aaron's photo that I'm obsessed with. Well, how do you find contemporary artists? I think like it's not scientific for me. It's just like 
going to a lot of galleries and walking around and looking at things that bring you joy. Like I literally, I call it investing in art because they are expensive. And I- So do you discover more in person going to events than online? Yes, absolutely. So I found out about Hunt Sloan, I'm like years ago. I don't even know how. Like my mom was obsessed with, my mom loves bunnies. Like she has bunnies all over the house. And we do the, I don't know if you do this every- First day of the month, yeah, we say rabbit, rabbit. Yeah. So apparently, like, that's like only when I did a poll, like, only 14% of people said they do it. Well, I don't always remember, but I try. Yeah. Me too. I have like good luck for the month. Yeah. So, like, duh. rabbits have always been like a lucky symbol to my family and a lot of people, I think. And so I like fell in love with the bunnies and it started with like buying the wallpaper, getting that framed. And then eventually, like, I met Hunt and, um, went to his studio and like have started to slowly like build a little collection. That was different. I think that I found out about him from a book, but really like spending time. We can't do this anymore, but like there's a block of art galleries in Chelsea. I think it's like 26th through 28th on like 10th and 11th avenues. Just like spend an afternoon, like wandering and like figure out what you like. And then I always take notes of the artists that I like. And then I go to artsy.com and I plug in the artists And so I follow all these different artists. And then based on who I follow, I always get recommended new artists and I start looking at them. It's almost like this giant Pinterest site just for art. But it's also like you can buy stuff on there. Um, So I recommend that. Instagram's another big one. Like um, there was a guy I was was obsessed with because a fashion label that I follow posted one of his paintings. And so I started following him. I think it's just curiosity. Like this question reminds me a little bit almost of the – how do you read so much question in that it's because I love it and it makes me happy. Like same with reading. Like if you, you don't have to do this. Like if you don't like reading, like you don't have to read a book in a weekend, you know, like it doesn't take work. It's just something I'm like really curious and and interested in. Yeah. But that's my advice. I, I think I should write a blog post about this. Yeah. I would be really interested to read a blog post about your favorite artists. Cool. Maybe I'll do it. Um, Because I know there's more that I'm not saying. But Hunt and Catherine are like the two that I like want to collect. Okay. Should we switch gears into some work questions? Sure. So how do you work with brands on product collabs like Amazon Drop? So that came into being by – I saw it and I like – you can apply for it if you're an influencer and like we put together an application and what have you. And I didn't know that. Yeah. Kristen did that. Oh, There's I didn't like a know site that. where you can apply as an influencer. I'm not saying I'm applying. I just <laughs> I didn't know that that yeah. was how it came about. And they emailed us and like we worked it through. And what I like about that collaboration is no matter your what your following size, everyone gets paid the same way. So you get I'm just like starting with the high level stuff. You get a upfront design fee, which like basically covers like some of the photography and like creating assets and like and you commit to a level of deliverables like I'll post to Instagram about this five times I'll do two blog posts whatever it might be then um you get commission on the products that you sell through your links which is why I'm always like shop via my swipe ups and I feel annoying saying that and then you get um a royalty fee based on the overall sales okay so I like that because I most of the influencers they work with have a lot more Instagram followers than I do. But my audience tends to shop and tends to trust my recommendations. So I know that I can probably sell just as much product as someone much bigger. So that's like a – it's been a great partnership for me because um, 
it's not based on just numbers. It's based on how you convert and your own performance. So that I really like. It starts out with a mood board. So what I what I did with the first one, I remember, I still remember this J. Crew photo of like a leopard sweatshirt. I think there was maybe red leggings. And I was like, I love like fire engine red and leopard. Then they give you like a whole list of colors that, that you can use. Like the colors are, are based on trends and forecasting that they have done. And they say, pick five colors. Tell us like, do you want bold graphic prints? What do you want? And so the first thing is like figuring out the based on your mood board, the colors and the prints that you're going to use. Then the Amazon product designer comes up with a print proposal. And then I say like, oh, I like this, but can you like maybe add a little bit of red to this pattern? Can you make this leopard like a little bit bigger? Can you like, there's just, you know, just giving them direction. And then we go back and forth on the prints. From there, they place the fabric order. So they do that. They order the fabrics before even cementing the the styles. So that's like the big thing. And it's very scary because the fabric order just dictates so much. So then from there, we move on to styles. So in in my mood board, I think for the first one, I was like, there was this nightgown dress that sold really well. I'd love to like create a version of that, but like we need to drop drop the bust line so that it like can accommodate a chest above an A cup. And like, let's add pockets and let's do this to it. Or I was like, there's this emerald green kimono in the politician that Gwyneth Paltrow's character wore. I'd love to recreate a version of that, but rather than having it cinched at the waist, I want it to flow outward. And so then their designers come up with the actual sketches. So I am not a fashion designer, like, but I am so closely involved with everything from whether like the actual neckline drops 16 inches or 18 inches. Like we're like sitting in phone calls with like with tape measures and stuff, like figuring this out together. And then they send a round of design sketches and then we narrow it down and I give them feedback. And then we do another round of that and then they move into samples and then they sample 20 styles. And I can, so I have to pick 20 things to be sampled and then we have to get it down to like under 10. So most strap collections are like between six and 10 pieces. My first one I think was eight pieces and the second one was nine. So that's kind of how it works. And then like the thing that's the most stressful is that as like, well, all of that work is like a lot of work. But um, then once you get your samples, you have to create all of the assets for the product pages. So shooting every piece from the front, side, back, um, giving them like two versions of that, creating a video for each piece. And then after I do that, like a week later, I give them all the drafts for all of my content. So my content is often different from their content because they want really like cut and drive things that just show the products. And I want it to be a little bit more editorial and like like a little bit more styled for my Instagram. So it's um like I had five different photo shoots this time for this collection. How long did it take from start to finish? It always is three months. It's a three-month process. That's very quick. It's wildly fast. Yeah. Yeah. So what piece from either Amazon Drop Collection do you wear the most? Definitely the mid-calf length nightgown. So the red-orange nightgown with the blue and now the new gray nightgown. I just – I live in those. I like a midi dress. I like the short ones too. The short ones actually always sell better than the long ones. Like, but for from a personal style perspective, I like the the mid length one. Yeah, yeah. I have both too, and I wear the mid length one way more. I wear those like like once a week. I feel like I'm not trying to sell product. I just genuinely love them. It's just, it's also an easy thing to throw on, even if you're like I'm not dressing up. You're just like 
Yeah. It's one thing to put on. And right now, if you put like a leather jacket or like a cute little cardigan over it, yeah. it's great. So somebody wanted advice. How do you approach a brand for sponsored content? I'm also curious, I would add, how often do you approach a brand versus a brand approach you at this point? So not very often. But what I do do is I have a formula. I reach out and I'm like, hi, I like your brand. Da, 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 da. I have a media kit that my, me and Kristen, who does my partnerships, worked on. And then Victoria, my she does my branding for my site, put together. And I'll send them my media kit. Usually I approach them via DM. And I say, I really like what you're doing. Or I buy something of theirs and I tag them. And then they oftentimes reach out and say, thanks for the support. And I'm like, no prob. And then I like to get either a gifted product or I buy it myself. And I link to it and I can give them pretty exact analytics. Like I can be like, oh, by the way, I noticed that like during your friends and family sale, according to my affiliate dashboard, I drove $30,000 in sales for you. Um, My audience really likes XYZ product. If you ever want to do a collaboration, let me know. I never reach out and ask for money off the bat. I think if I'm the one pitching a brand, it feels strange to be like, hi, I'm Grace. Like, you don't know anything about me, but you should pay me this. So I never do that. I like to work, start out working together on an affiliate basis and show them that my audience likes their product or that it did really well. Sometimes last for a discount code, I'll be like, would you want to do a discount code to test something out? And then they'll be like, oh my God, 30 people bought this. Like, let's do a, a bigger collaboration. So I think that it's important. Don't reach out to a brand that you've never worked with and be like, hi, here are my rates. Like when I was at Bottle Bar, people did that to me left and right. And I was like, I don't know who this person is. I don't know if they convert. I don't know if like they're if they bought their followers. Like you don't know. It's so hard to measure. Whereas if you can prove yourself that's just a better strategy yeah oh switching gears a bit how do you deal with constant feedback somebody wanted to know does it make it hard to be authentic and is it exhausting yeah it's been a little exhausting lately because um everyone just has an opinion about everything and whether it's you know i wish you just didn't do leopard print again for your drop collection i'm like i'm sorry we did that very intentionally because the last one sold out so much i'm like so i i tell them that and i you know, for the next one, it's not going to be leopard. <laughs> We've done leopard. That's over. But I wanted to do leopard again because so many people couldn't get the nightgown the first time around. So like that is something. Or, you know, you've just had so many sponsored stories this week. And it, it's really – that's frustrating because maybe somebody doesn't know what was going on back and forth. Maybe a brand got back to me really late. And like the other – I always try and like space out my my ads. But sometimes brands don't approve things in time. And then you end up having to post it the following week. So then you have four ads all in a row and like your readers are mad. But then I didn't make any money the week before because I didn't post any ads. So it's – everyone lately is, has something to say. I try, like it was drilled into my head when I, like in my marketing jobs, that feedback is a gift, feedback is a gift, but sometimes it's like too much of a gift and it just like wears you down a little bit. Well, there's also a difference between feedback on professional things versus personal things. Mm -hmm. And that's where it gets tricky too. So sometimes I just turn my story replies off. I'm like, I don't want any feedback today (laughs) and you'll still get it because people will message you anyway or email you. And I try and just be authentic to me and just always stick to what I like. Like if somebody didn't like the drop collection, that's okay because I felt so strongly about it and I thought it was good and it sold really well. So 
not everything I do is going to be for everyone. And it's also remembering that and just having a perspective um, switch. Like something I do is I talk to you about it or Alex and I'm like, oh, people who are complaining to me about X, Y, Z. And you're like, yeah, but like that's not your person. And if like that they're complaining to you about that. So having a friend to vent to rather than venting um, to your audience. But I always try and just be my realist self with everything I do. And usually that tends to work. So let's take another quick sponsor break. This episode is sponsored by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So if you're feeling like you're in a cooking rut, I cannot recommend HelloFresh highly enough. They do all the shopping and prep. So all you have to do is cook, eat, and enjoy. And there's something for everyone. They have options for classic, low-calorie, family-friendly, or veggie every single week. So I honestly did not think I was a meal kit person before we started working with HelloFresh. So I generally like to cook. Um, I'm not intimidated by it. But what is so great about it for me is that it saves me so much time when I'm having a busy week. So with HelloFresh, I don't have to put any thought into meal planning and they do the shopping for me. And then all the recipes usually take between 20 and 30 minutes to cook. So they're not hard. They're not time intensive. And it just checks something off my list. So uh, I got HelloFresh last week because we've been very busy with getting rom-com pods off the ground. And I got the cheesy buffalo chicken tacos, which was a new to me recipe, but unsurprisingly something that I was very excited about. I love buffalo chicken anything. And man, were these good. Highly recommend. And one of the biggest things for me is also that I love that they have pre-portioned ingredients. So I get exactly what I need and I don't have any food waste. And I feel like tacos could be such a culprit there. You need like a little bit of a lot of things. So it's nice to just have exactly what you need. And another thing that I love is that HelloFresh has taken extra steps to keep its employees and customers safe, including contactless delivery, tamper-proof packaging, and team member wellness checks. And HelloFresh donated 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019. And this year, they're stepping up food donations to local communities amid the coronavirus crisis. So I know we're all doing a lot more eating at home recently, and if you're running out of ideas, you should absolutely try HelloFresh. So we have an offer for you. Go to HelloFresh.com slash ADBOP and use code ADBOP to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash ADBOP and use code ADBOP to get $80 off your first box. That is such a good deal. And now back to the episode. Somebody wanted to know, do you see yourself switching careers in your 40s? Is blogging your forever job? You know, I don't know. I think I've just always gone about this as a, like I'm building a community. So I think this is my forever job, some version of it. I think it'll always be changing. Um, but I also think if you work really hard and do something well, it can keep going. Like everyone was saying blogs are are dying and everyone's on Instagram, but my blog traffic grows every year a lot. Like I look at my traffic from f- four or five years ago when blog blogging was suppo- at its supposed heyday and my traffic is double that. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like you can't like feed into like, like the whole, like, I feel like the conventional media does a whole lot of like influencing is over. Blogs are dying. And I don't think it is. I think there's always going to be people that need recommendations. So just because our generation is getting older, I think 
that you just have to stay current with whatever tools they're using. So if people are using Reels more, I'll start doing that. If I don't really think TikTok's for me, but I just think you have to constantly stay current. Like, you know, I have 40,000 email subscribers that get a newsletter that I put out, and that's not even something that most people know about, but I'll always have those emails that I can market to. So, you know, maybe someday I'll have a skincare line or a more established fashion thing. I don't really want that. Like I don't want to have inventory just seeing what my sister deals with. But I think if you focus more on building a community versus like doing like the hot new thing, that's where it you'll be successful. But like if the intern, you know, it's it's so interesting, right? Because I'm like, well, I could always go back to working in social media or marketing. But all of those things are just it's the same thing as what I'm doing now. It's just for somebody else. For somebody else. So if I if if all of this goes away, then there's no jobs in social media or marketing either. And I don't think it's going to go away. I think that it's going to keep changing and evolving. Somebody wanted to know, what's your opinion on influencers that stay completely silent about the election? It's tricky um, because my usual answer would be like, they need to be vocal. But I've had some more nuanced conversations with a few influencers who, like I have a very a very dear friend of mine lives in a very conservative town and her parents are very conservative. And for her to post about Biden, she's voting for Biden, but for her to post about Biden would like blow up her whole life. You know what I mean? So I think it's such a case by case thing. Like I am not going to tell someone like ruin your life and post about politics. Like it's so complex depending on your situation. But I think that being said, you should do all you can do. The thing I took more of an issue is when people didn't post or act on Black Lives Matter. Like I felt like that's not a political thing. That is a human rights thing. And that is a that really grossed me out when there was a few people I had to unfollow that just never even said anything about it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I'm not someone who's like, you need to be posting this. Like I don't everyone should do what they're comfortable with. I'm not into bullying or like yelling at people for not doing things. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's hard because I do think that we I feel like a very big duty to use my platform in the way that I am. And I've been hearing from like a lot of conservatives that are like, I'm voting for Biden. Like, thank you for your posts. Like there was a woman who's like, I I changed my vote to Biden because of you. And I'm like, oh my God, like that's like, that's like better than when people tell us that they started reading from our podcast. So I think for me, I'm always going to be really vocal about this stuff. But I also like have very liberal parents, very liberal friends live in New York City. Yeah. If you live in, say, Chicago in, like, the suburbs and, like, I don't know, I'm just – and your parents are both, like, ardent Republicans and all your neighbors are Republicans and everyone follows you on social media, like, what do you do? You can't change everyone in your life's opinions. I I mean, it depends how strongly you feel about it, I guess. Yeah, I think it does. So I don't know. I just – I try and approach everything with a little bit of empathy and I can see why that person wouldn't want to do that. Set the record straight, Grace. Somebody asked, Girls Gotta Eat is touring again. Will bat on paper? I don't think so. I don't know. Like, I I don't think we'll tour again. I would like to do another New York live show. Like, I think that it's really fun. I think, like, we aren't Girls Gotta Eat. Well, I think they also meant during the pandemic, which no, because I'm not comfortable getting on a plane. No, definitely not. But when things get back to a new normal, like whatever that might look like. And we can do things. I'd love to have another New York show. Like I'd love to go to Chicago again. I'm I'm not going to go back to doing 12 shows a year. Like, you know, frankly, we 
Becca and I barely make, we make a little bit more than our travel expenses. So it was like, I, I felt very um, exhausted and cause I'm an introvert. Becca gets so much energy from them and I feel like a bad business partner. Cause I just <laughs> would be so tired. I would like not want to see people for days after getting back from being on tour. Felt like it affected my friendships. It affected like, I wouldn't want to talk to my parents on the phone cause I'd be so tired. It exhausted me. And I can deal deal with things that are exhausting if they're also lucrative. And I can say, well, I don't need to do sponsored posts on my blog this month because I'm making so much money from my podcast. But that's not the case. So to me, it's not worth it. But I really want to do a Chicago show at some point. I love Chicago so you much. I really love Chicago. I love Chicago. I'd love to do like, so, like maybe like two or three one-off shows a year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's take a let's take a turn here and answer some beauty and skincare and fashion questions. Can you walk us through your fall nighttime skincare routine? Yeah. So um, it's pretty simple. I I mean, it's kind of – it can be a little bit elaborate, but I always start off with a cleansing balm to like a, a good um, – to like take off all my makeup and just like hydrate but also – like get get the stuff off. And so I use pharmacies. Um, I think it's called Green Clean. It's their cleansing balm. I love it. Then I usually will do a gel cleanser after that. I Right now I'm using the one from Clur, K-L-U-R. They're like a really cool um, small black-owned skincare brand. And I love, I love everything they make. So that's like face washing. Then I use toner. Um, right now I really love the pharmacy. Um, I think it's called it's just it's a green it's it's a green liquid and it's I think their only toner. It's got like a light um, amount of acid in it, and it's just a good toner. Like it gets your skin really clean. Toner is something my facialist told me that I needed to do because I was getting these little bumps on my skin, and she said it was because I wasn't getting my skin like fully clean enough before using a really hydrating moisturizer. So like little um, bits of dead skin were getting trapped underneath and like causing that like rough texture. So since using toner, my skin's been so much smoother. Then sometimes I'll do an essence, but not usually. Every night after like cleansing and toner, it kind of changes. So two to three nights a week, I do a retinol. I love Biosance's Phyto Retinol. I love Shani Darden's Retinol. Right now I'm testing the Olay new Retinol 24 Max, which has like 20% more retinol than than their last retinol. Um, two times a week, I'll do an acid. So I do, I love the Biosance Lactic Acid. That is a holy grail product that you all must buy. It leaves your skin so smooth. It's great for anti-aging. It's just wonderful. I also like the pharmacy honeymoon glow. Sometimes I'll add that. It's really, that's like spicy. Like it makes your, (laughs) it makes, it makes your skin like really tingle. And then like, I'd say like two to three nights a week, I will skip acid or retinol and just do the Dr. Botter face cream. I will say right now my skincare routine is a little bit different because I'm testing this Olay retinol moisturizer. So I'm only using that every night after I cleanse and tone. Okay. But morning, then I use the Botter because the Botter has got to go on my face at some point. Yeah. You got to get your Botter. Yeah. What's your favorite face wash when you're not wearing makeup? It's kind of the same thing because like the one thing I learned from my facialist was because I don't wear makeup a lot, like I was like, well, I don't really need to do a lot of face washing. You do because you're outside. Even if I'm not wearing makeup, I'm still wearing SPF. So you still got to get your skin good and clean. So I pretty much always do the pharmacy cleansing balm. Like sometimes I'll be 
lazy and I won't do the gel cleanser afterwards, but I, I love the way that my skin feels when I double cleanse it. I'm curious about this one. Somebody wanted to know, how do you find such great clothes from Amazon? Not your collection, but other things from Amazon. They said, I can never tell what's good from the pictures, which I agree with. Oh, yeah. You guys, like you see like the good stuff. Like you don't see the bad stuff. I send a lot back. Like I – so what I do, I shop a lot from Amazon the Drop staples. Like they've just got like good basics that are great. I shop – when I find a shop, like I buy – say I buy a sweater and I like it, then I bookmark that shop because there's all these weird random brands on there. So once I figure out that I like something, then I keep ordering from it. <laughs> It is hit or miss. Like for every like cute outfit where you're like, oh, Grace looks cute today. She's wearing an Amazon outfit. Trust me that there were like five things that were sent back. So it's a volume play. Yeah, it's a volume play. And I don't like to do hauls because it's just not really something that I want to do. But if I were to do a try on like opening up the box, you guys would laugh. You'd be like trash, (laughs) trash, trash, not not trash, return. But, no, um, I meant it's trash, not oh, it's trash. throw it in the trash. Yes. We don't trash things here. We we are trash. We are trash. But we are also trying to not be totally terrible to the planet. No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> Can we move into the random category? Yeah. The first question, which I'm very interested in knowing and potentially contributing to, does Grace have any trash person tendencies? Yeah. So I would say mine are um, with laziness and with food. So I, as you all know, I've said it a million times, I'm an introvert. And I will, if I have a really busy week of work or I have like a lot of events or I'm just out too social, I will literally put on sweatpants and like not get off the couch for a full day. Like I am capable of not moving for like a full day. So I think that's one, just full on laziness. Okay. The other is with food. Like, I love fake cheese. Like, fake cheese is one of my favorite things. Like, goldfish, crackers, the cheddar ones, I love. Cheez-Its. Combos. Love. You combos. love combos. I love combos. I was getting to combos. Oh, sorry. Um, I love the pretzel with the cheese filling. I really – this is gross. I haven't had it in, like, years. I put this on my Instagram story there. I really like a Slim Jim from time to time. <laughs> it's so gross. I haven't had one in, like, five years, but I feel like – there was one time where we were driving back from the Hamptons and stopped at a gas station and I was like, it's time for a Slim Jim or like one of those gross like 7-Eleven taquitos with the fake cheese in it. I did a Q&A on my Instagram and people were like, what's the grossest hygiene habit you have? Like I don't have like gross hygiene habits. Like I love hygiene. Hygiene is a passion of mine. Like, I love body wash. Like you guys know this about love me. Love body wash. But I do love fake cheese and I will eat like and I'm also I can be so freaking lazy like I will just like order my whole day's meals which is usually like if I'm having my trash person day I get like well I mean this sounds like I'm not I I like I'll get a green juice because I just like green juice but I also get a bagel with um my tofu spread and tomatoes and cucumber and I eat like I eat the whole bagel and then I love for dinner maybe some nachos or like Indian food, like just seamlessing the whole day. So that's my that's that's my trash day. Okay, does that count? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what were you like in college? What was I like in college? I mean, I was kind of wild. Like, I didn't really drink or do anything bad in high school. And so when I got to college, I drank a lot. I um, wore a lot of express clothing. Like I had everyone did. It was the, it was going out tops. Hey, yeah, I had like a bin under my 
under my bed that had, was full of going out tops. Um, I love those express Ponte pants. And then I had those Steve Madden slides with the, with the jersey. Like there's a meme. It's like, oh, yeah, you need an eye cream if you if you remember mm-hmm. these shoes. <laughs> um, what's I like? I was still very studious. Like I was always very like I need to get my dream job after college. Like I was a finance major, which like given today's figuring out the IRA thing. I'm like, well, you wouldn't know I was a finance major, but I literally changed my major to get a job. Like I was so focused. I was in a sorority. I was in Gamma Phi Beta. I was the social chair. I was the membership chair, like which was like the head of Rush. I um, was on Panhellenic Council and was also in charge of Rush for all of the whole Greek life. Like I was very involved. I think I was more extroverty in college. Like I was wild. I was on like every committee. I um like social chair. I just said social chair out loud and like kind of gave myself the shivers. It's like <laughs> I can't believe I did that. But when you're young, it's different. I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of fun, but I also like I um didn't have much money. Like I worked two to three days a week also while in college. Like I worked at CVS during freshman year. Then I worked, where did I work? Oh, I worked at CVS again, sophomore year. I loved CVS because you could get all your stuff for 25% off. Like it was great. And I would just like get a dunk. Get your skincare. Get a dunk and then get all my skincare because then my like skincare was like Neutrogena and I like felt pretty good about that, which I still think if you're 21, Neutrogena is great. Set the record straight. How many live goldfish did you eat in college? So if I do the math, I didn't join a sorority. And so I started my freshman year at Stonehill. Um, it was Catholic. It was a very cute school. It wasn't for me. Um, they looked down on eating live goldfish. <laughs> it was too wild. I went to Bentley, which is a business-focused school, which was a better major for me because I was always a marketing major till I changed to finance. And <laughs> I pledged a sorority the fall of my sophomore year. So I got in. I had a goldfish. Mm-hmm. Then every other – then there was spring of sophomore year. So I ate, definitely ate a goldfish when other people got in. And then two more years and two more seasons of rush. So I probably had at least six to six goldfish. But then throw in like being drunk and like showing off. I probably had like three to four. I probably ate 10 goldfish in college. Wow. Over over three and a half years. Okay. Yeah. You heard it here first. Gross. Uh, do you still own statement necklaces from working at Bobble Bar? Or what did you do with them? I have gotten rid of most of them. I have a few that like there's like a few that I like really liked like a lot. And I think they'll come back in fashion. Like there were some that were really well made. Oh, yeah. I I mean, the thing about it is, is that it's fast fashion. So it's meant to be trendy. So I still have pieces from Bobble Bar, but not from when I worked there. I mostly I still buy stuff there. Like I just got some alphabet bracelets like that are really cute. And they have great face masks. I have a few. I love their earrings. Oh, the, I'm so into their earrings. I mean, earrings are more of a summer thing for me. But I've saved. I have like a drawer, a few drawers in my because you know I have I have two giant jewelry armoires. You guys like they're on my blog if you want links. But I I have some saved like ones that I just really liked. Like I think from like some of the guest bartender collabs like Blair and then the honestly WTF one, and then. I think we collaborated with Bing Bing maybe and I have like a crystal necklace from that. But I try and purge. I was going through my – I did a big sell to the Real Real recently and I got rid of all my Lulu Frost big statement necklaces because back then I would like – I was so into Lulu Frost and like those big um, the like, lion. dramatic ones. Oh, yeah, the lion. Oh, my God, the lion. That was so bad. 
Um, but I sold like a lot of stuff on the, a lot of jewelry on the rail rail this week. And it like, it went fast. Somebody's buying it. Interesting. How do you balance saving for a down payment versus treating yourself to special things like art and jewelry? So I saw some of the original questions and I know there was a lot of questions about money and saving. First of all, like don't ask a fashion blogger about saving money advice. Like I am not your person. Like I am getting so much better. And I think in the past two to three years, I've gotten a lot more responsible. But like when I was younger, I had credit card debt. Like I am not a model finance person to go to. Like please like read the financial confessions the, sorry, please read the financial diet, listen to finance podcasts. Like I get very nervous when people come to me, like Blair Eadie and I was talking about this on her story. She's like, guys, I'm not like the person to give you advice. But the, I did keep this one in because I do think I have some helpful advice. I think that it's always important to treat yourself no matter what you're saving for. I have a fun money account. Like for me, the podcast money goes into a special account. Back when I was younger, I spent a lot more money on handbags and shoes. I don't see the need to ever buy like another nice handbag. Like I have my Birkin that I bought four years ago for like one. I give myself a bonus every year. I have a few Chanel bags. Like I have some very nice handbags. Now it's more that I will splurge on art or like the dining chairs for my apartment. So I just I have a separate bank account for for splurges, and I'm I mean the first priority every month is to hit my savings goals. Like I have aggressive goals for both retirement and buying a house. And I that's first priority is those goals must be met. So if I wasn't meeting meeting those, the money wouldn't be going into the fun account. But money goes into the fun account and when it's there and it's ready to spend, that's for me to do what I want with. I think that's a great way I, to think about it. I think everyone should have a fun money account. I don't have a fun money account. Maybe I should. You should. You work so hard and you've been wanting a Chanel bag or wallet for so long. I mean, all my fun money is paying for rom-com right now. I know, your your money pit. But <laughs> once, money pit. once you're a TV show producer and like on season five and rolling in the big bucks, I'm going to push for you to have your fun money account. Yeah. Yeah. Were you disappointed Becca did not get a Grace shirt and mask for your birthday? No, because like you got to be, we got to all do different things. Yeah. What about a ripoff? Yeah. Also, I still haven't gotten Grace's birthday gift, but it is in the mail right now. That's what I'm disappointed about is this birthday gift has been so hyped up. Like, I don't care if if my friends get me a birthday gift, but when they're like, your birthday gift is so amazing, it's going to be the best thing I've ever given you. I'm like, well, where is it? Because what day is today? Today is the 15th and my birthday was... It's fucking custom, bitch. My birthday was 18 days ago and I still have no present. I'm sorry. It's custom. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so nervous for whatever it is. <laughs> it is. I don't know if it's in the mail, but it's coming. Okay. It should be here, I think, in the next week. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. It came out. It's great. Alex has seen it. Uh, I'm dying. Let's end it on this for your questions. Fuck, Mary kill. Nightgown dress. Cashmere sweatsuit. Burks. Uh, this person knows me. I- this is hard. Okay. This is hard. I'm going to kill Burks because I feel like there's other comfy shoe options. Crocs, for instance. No, like my cute Tanya Taylor Tevas or my Loeffler Randall Gold Mules or um, any of Margot's flats are really, really comfortable. I'll be sad. I'll really miss them, but I will kill them because I feel like they're replaceable. I'm going to marry the nightgown dress because I literally like wear it like at least once or twice a week. And I'm going to fuck the cashmere sweatsuit because that's like – it's great. It's amazing. But I don't need it every day. 
Interesting. I thought you were going to marry the cashmere sweatsuit. Nah, it's hot. It's really hot. I was wearing the cashmere sweatsuit yesterday and I like was I was sitting on the couch working and I was like sweating. I was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, do I have menopause? And I was like, no, it's the cashmere sweatsuit. <laughs> it was a little too hot. Oh, man. Yeah. You've been such a good guest. Thank you. I hope this was interesting. Do you I- want a desperation minute? <laughs> My desperation minute is, guys, go listen to rom-com pods. Oh, you used your desperation minute for I me. Did. It's just so good this season. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Well, should we get into some end matter? Yeah. I don't have an Instagram, but you do. What's your Instagram? Mine is um, – it's a fashion blogger, and her handle is lovecloth.blog. And I just think – I think I found her from Cup of Joe maybe – she has great style, like just really good, simple style, but she's always in like a really great pair of jeans and like the colors she puts together are great. Like it's – if you like like that like Everlane slash Madewell type of style, like you'll like this account. Ooh. What about non-Instagram obsessions? My non-Instagram obsession is Love Life on HBO Max, which I texted you about this morning. Yeah. So you texted me and you were like, you need to watch this and – I was like, I did. I watched, well, I watched like the first three episodes and did not feel, oh, I love it. Feel like I needed to continue. So this one stars Anna Kendrick, who I really like. And she, it starts out and she's like young and new to New York. And then it follows her all the way through, like, I don't want to give things away, but like through like her later years, like getting married, other things that come with that. Um, And it's wonderful. I think like almost like every episode is kind of dedicated to a different relationship, but then there's also an episode about her relationship with her best friend and her relationship with her mom. And I just found it to be very funny and very cute, but also like really heartbreaking at times and just like so many good emotions. I felt like it was like a really long movie, like wrapped up into 10 30 minute episodes. Love. What about you? Oh, so past podcast guest Alicia Ramos, who is the founder of Girls Night In, is launching a new company, and it's called Wild, W-H-I-L-E-D, and they're making leisure products, and their first products are puzzles, and I got a puzzle, and so I missed the puzzle part of quarantine because Grace thought that a puzzle is a solo activity, and I believe that a puzzle is a group activity, and she wouldn't do a puzzle with me. I just think, like, when, like, I get so married to my puzzles, if I started a puzzle with you, it'd be okay. But, like, she wanted to come in and, like, crash my puzzle. And I was like, no, if you found that piece I'd been looking for forever, I'd be pissed. So we have different views on puzzles, but I got a puzzle from Wild. They're all puzzles based on prints by artists, which is really cool. And they have such cute designs. And I'm very excited to do my puzzle. I'm going to do it with Rachel because (laughs) you only do puzzles alone. I would start a puzzle with you. I got a Wild puzzle as well. And I'm so excited. We got different ones. We got different ones. Yeah. That's good. Company launches this fall. So keep an eye out for it. And the puzzles are so cute. They're so cute. What about books? So... I read two books. So the first book I read was called Now That I've Found You by Christina Forrest. And it's YA. And I have realized that I think a genre of book that I really enjoy is anything with a kooky grandma. Oh, like matchmaking for beginners? Yep. Mm -hmm. I like anything with a kooky grandma. So the book is about a girl who's a young actress or she wants to be an actress. She's like just graduated high school. And her grandma is, like, a very famous star from the 70s. And so she goes to 
New York to present her grandmother with this Lifetime Achievement Award, and her grandma disappears. And so she has to find her grandma. Um, And she goes on this adventure all through New York City with this boy. It's very cute. Oh, that sounds great. It was very fun. It was a good New York-y book. And it was just like very sweet and had a kooky grandma. Love that. So I read that. And then I read Heartbones by Colleen Hoover. And I read it in one night. And I know that you said this was only like a B plus for you. I was like sucked into this. I loved it, but I the ending, I was just meh. Yeah, I get that. But I was so sucked in. I started it on Sunday night and I was like, oh, I'm just going to read like a little bit and like finish it in, in a night. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not enjoyable. I loved it, but I just a B plus for Colleen Hoover is like meh. But I'd rather be, read a B plus Colleen Hoover book than most books. And a disclaimer for anyone who is less familiar with Colleen Hoover, because Colleen Hoover wrote Verity, which is a bad on paper favorite, which is a very thrillery thriller. She also writes like more YA slash love stories. So this is not a Verity book. This is like in the yeah. There's YA no trigger warnings camp. for this one. No, and it's it's just very different. So if you went in expecting a thriller, I could see that you might be like, yeah, what's happening here? What about you? So I finished Cobble Hill, and I got to say I didn't like it. Oh, man. I was so bored. I'll give it to you if you want it. but Ooh, um, I don't want a bad book. Well, it's I felt the way I felt about Fleischman is in trouble. Like, I was just bored. I felt like it was about these four couples, and, like, the characters were kind of interesting, but nothing, like, really happens. I just felt super bored by it. And I feel bad giving it such a bad review because I was so excited for it. But I just want to be honest. Then I was like, well, I – just read this shit book. I need something like that I know is going to be good. So I read Memorial Drive by Natasha Trethaway. And if you guys listened to our episode with Tracy from The Stacks, then you know she recommended that. And it is – Natasha Trethaway is a Pulitzer Prize-winning poet. This was about the – it's her memoir about the murder of her mother. And I did realize that I do not like – I love murder books, obviously. But I like murder books when they're either fiction – Nonfiction, but like very clinical, like a book about a serial killer and everything. And it's just studying him. A personal account of murder is a totally different thing. And this book was heartbreaking. There's a whole passage where she found these like papers that her mother had written like a few days before before she was murdered and like what she had dealt with and like her marriage and trying to escape this marriage and her really abusive ex-husband. And it was just like I was reading this book getting a pedicure and I was like openly sobbing. Oh wow. It's really heavy but so beautifully written. So if you want to like feel really bad, go read this book. But also like it's a great book. It's A+, plus, absolutely. Then I just started last night, so I've only read about 25 pages of it. I started Invisible Girl by Lisa Jewell. And Lisa Jewell is one of my favorite thriller authors. She wrote I think it was and then she was gone. She wrote The Family Upstairs. This one like she writes like really dark, dark thrillers that like always have multiple layers of twists and just like really pull you in. So I'm reading that. And when I finish that, I'm going to read You Had Me at Ola by Alexis Dario, which is our October book club pick. Good segue, Grace. Yeah. So why don't you tell them what it's about? Because I don't know. Sure. So it is a contemporary romance about a very tabloidy actress who just went through a breakup with a musician, and uh, she gets the starring role in this Netflix-style telenovela, kind of like an Ugly Betty or something that's like – or a um, 
Jane the Virgin, like contemporary cool telenovela. Yeah. And um, her co-star is this guy who came from like the actual telenovela world in Miami and is like famous there. And they have this will they or won't they romance. It's very fun. The backdrop of it being set on this telenovela is great. And it's like a, it also has some more perspective and serious themes outside of just like the brain candy love. So it's one of those like more meaty romances, you know, like you don't feel like, you know, you're like, oh, I just read trash. It's yeah. great. I can't wait to read this. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was, my, I think, one of my two favorite romances that I've read this year. Gets a little sexy. So pick that up and we're what's your other one? One to watch. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about it next week. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, and if you want more of us, you can follow Bad on Paper Podcast on Instagram. Oh, wait. You need to come to the Bad on Paper Facebook group because we put a deleted oh, yeah. scene from Majesty in the Facebook group. It's the Sam and Marshall sex scene. So if you yes. listen, if you read that book and listened to the book club episode last month, definitely make sure you check out the Facebook group and don't miss that. Yes. So join the Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood and my blog is thestripe.com where I publish new posts every single day. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And please, please, please check out Romcom Pods. I'm so proud of this season and I think it's really fun and a good escape from the current news cycle. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.